Hey folks, welcome to Enrollify's latest podcast series, BrandCamp. BrandCamp is a special podcast series on why brand manifestos matter in higher education and how to create one for your institution, your academic unit, or your program. This special series is brought to you by Unincorporated, a higher education agency committed to building engagement, growing enrollments, and solving major challenges facing universities, schools, and academies. BrandCamp is hosted by me, Zach Buzikers from Enrollify, and Ian Evanstar, founder and CEO of Unincorporated. This series will explore why higher ed needs better brand manifestos, how to craft a mission statement for your school that doesn't suck, why vision statements are crucial for higher ed marketing, and how to audit your brand values and augment your brand positioning accordingly. You can learn more about the incredible work that Unincorporated is doing and explore their client case studies at unincorporated.com. Or you can connect with Ian on LinkedIn via the link in the show notes below. All right, get ready, folks. It's time to go to Brand Camp. All right, Ian, we are live. How are you doing this fine day, my friend? It is another beautiful day. So grateful to be here. Happy to share some expertise and really looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped for this, man. You you're a busy dude. It's hard to it's hard to get you locked down. But every time we talk, Ian, I just I walk away like inspired, and I walk away I, honestly like learning something that I hadn't hadn't known before. So I'm excited to right. ha- just selfishly have a con- another conversation with you, and I know that people are going to get a lot of value from this as well. So we've got a lot to talk about today, and really, sort of the the overarching topic is on brand manifestos and why higher ed needs better brand manifestos. But to kick us off, I thought it'd be fun to just hear you share a little bit about one of the first brands that you developed an affinity for and what what it was that uh, inspired that inspired that affinity to develop. Each of us could probably reflect back on the first brand that they fell in love with or identified with. And for me, it was a time going to college and I walked into our first uh, studio class together with my cohort. So I was at art school. It was then a fine art school. It's now an art and design school. And there were these, you know, the um, kind of the beige looking monitors and computers that had the emblem of the Apple insignia. Mm. And so it was Mac or Apple at that time. And largely because of the fact that I, identified directly with this tool, this computer, this brand, if you will, as part of my own identity, you know, there at the art school. And I fell in love with the brand so much that I actually went out and purchased a handful of stock, you know, as a a struggling, starving student, had barely (laughs) any money to my name. But I managed to scrap together some money because I really fell in love with the brand and also wanted to start investing. And I bought the stock for, can you believe it? $16 a share. Jeez, jeez. <laughs> and then years later, you know, I ended up, of course, selling too soon and too early. So I, I regret that, uh, that decision along the way. But uh, when I went back to higher ed as, as a design director for uh, a large private university, I remember telling my boss, hey, you may think that IBM rules the campus and that we shouldn't be investing in laptop like IBM PC computers for the student body. But mark my words, Apple is on the rise and many students are going to take into those lecture halls a Macintosh computer. So we should carry more Macs at the bookstore. This was the the ultimate pitch. (laughs) And he laughed me out of the room. I'll never forget it. He laughed me out, out of the room and 
you know, years later, I guess, you know, fortune, uh, fortune has obviously told us that, that Apple is one of the largest brands on the planet today. And a lot of that is because of the vision and because of the values and because of the mission around the brand, which is something I want to emphasize here as the three core components of the brand manifesto. Were you one of those people? Like, I, I feel like there are, there are people that fall in love with a brand because of the brand's, you know, poster person. And Steve Jobs is obviously somebody that uh, has has inspired many an entrepreneur. Was it? Mm-hmm. Did you? W- were you fascinated and intrigued by Steve Jobs? And it was you liked the product because you were fascinated by you know the character behind it, or was it more of just I have a lot of love for for the product itself? Yeah, I think initially it was just the fact that I was self-identifying with this product yeah. again as a tool that was specific to me and my identity. And I think brands are, are very tribe based in that sense. So, you know, once you start to identify with the brand, you feel part of that tribe. And then later learning about Steve Jobs, obviously that was the icing on the cake because I felt like, and probably a lot of us felt this way, that his decision-making and his vision of like what products should come next was exactly what the market and the audience, those, the, the brands, kind of advocates that uh, were part of that tribe, what they wanted as well. So think about the iPod, like, you know, listening to a compact disc player and saying, well, wouldn't it be great to have all my music in one place? And then the iPhone and thinking, oh, wouldn't it be great if I could not only put all my music on my phone, but also have a camera. So it always just felt like he was kind of leading the charge in terms of what we really wanted. And of course that was super inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, it's funny. I'm working on a presentation right now, actually, um, and helping it, one of the sections of this presentation is like what higher education marketers can learn from Steve Jobs. And one of the like a quick little story cool. that I stumbled upon as I was Googling was this story about how apparently when he was trying to fit when he was designing the iPod and he was trying to figure out how big to make it, how heavy it could be and whatnot, he'd go and he'd ask women, like random women, like, hey, like, can I like hold your purse? Can I see like what's in your purse? And basically he was trying to get a sense for, would there be room for an iPod like in a purse, right? And then at what point, at what weight could the iPod be in order for people to be willing to carry it around without, you know, their purse being too heavy? Uh, anyways, I thought That's that cool. was just a, such a fun sort of like, you know, classic Steve Job-esque way of, of understanding sort of like market need and what it would take for people to adopt new product. Um, so, yep. Ian, one of my um, favorite questions that I've asked folks over the last year, I've been talking to a lot of folks who are working in higher ed as chief marketing officers and or people that are, you know, working in brand management. Oftentimes, depending on the institution, the CMO is also sort of the key stakeholder in terms of brand management. And one of my favorite questions to ask these folks has been, how would you explain the importance of branding to to a 10-year-old? And so I wanted to ask you this question as well, as you've been so versed in this space for for, for a long time. If, if a 10-year-old niece or nephew or kid were to come up to you and ask, you know, Ian, what what is the importance of of branding, how, how would you respond to that question? Yeah, that's obviously <laughs> a great question. I love it for a few reasons. A, it helps us access the, um, the topic in a, in a very simple way. But it's also, I think, a question we need to be asking ourselves when we try to explain the value to someone else. So if you can answer this to a 10-year-old, you could probably answer this to any senior leadership 
in higher education to uh, to make your case like as part of your pitch. But I would I would basically just look that 10 year old in the eyes and say authentically, what if I told you that you could manifest anything you want in this life? Hmm. Would you want to know how? Hmm. Naturally, they would say yes, of course, right? Like after yeah, after they I, after I, they ask I have what dreams, man, yeah. let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I, after they ask what manifest means, but yes, then right. then. <laughs> yeah, what if you could create anything in this life? Would you want to know exactly how? So I think I would address the uh, the rationale or the reason behind it just with a simple question, because branding does ultimately point back to one's identity and one's aspirations and kind of the values or the principles that guide decision-making along the way. So when that 10 year old would say, yes, yes, please tell me, tell me how to do this. Uh, then I would say, okay, well, we need a plan, hmm. right? We need to first articulate what you want to achieve vision statement. And we need to clarify, if you could tell me what's most important to you, hmm. you know, is it education? Is it a car? Is it having a family later in life? Is it maybe earning enough money, maybe it's travel. And then once we understand clearly what you what you want to achieve and what's most important to you, what do you think you need to do in order to, to accomplish those goals or move in that direction? So what habits or kind of major milestones do you need to achieve in order to work in that direction? So I would start the explanation with a question and then articulate kind of the three components to the plan, uh, knowing that this is ultimately uh, the child's identity, the child's brand identity that they're pursuing. Yeah, yeah. I love that answer. That's a that's a great one. And actually, it's a different answer than we've received than I've received thus far. So kudos to you, man. Well thought out. I'm excited to for, for this four part series that we're that we're collaborating on just because we haven't done like a deep dive on on branding here here at Enrollify. We've had we mm -hmm. certainly had episodes where we brought people on to to talk about, you know, um, their perspective on the future of higher education uh, branding and, and, you know, how to how to think through sort of like a, a brand refresh at your institution. But we haven't done sort of like a, a deep mm -hmm. dive in and equipping people with good uh, a good education on like why branding is important and how to think through it within the context of higher education. So I'm excited for this series. And you uh, and I and, and our, our teams were going back and forth and came up with like the topic of brand manifestos as sort of like a good way to kick this uh, conversation, this collaboration off. So I thought it would be fun to just have you define what a brand manifesto is to, to kind of get us going and then talk a little bit about why it's important specifically within the context of higher education. Just as a disclaimer, people define branding, what a brand is, and ultimately what a brand manifesto is in many, many different ways, right? So what I'm bringing to the table is a framework, a methodology, if you will, that I've crafted over the last, say, two decades and really tried to put this big question of what is a brand manifesto in in a framework that makes sense, but is also repeatable. Mm. So whether you're a senior administration or a vice provost for an entire university, or if you're working at the college level, or even all the way down to the division or the program level, you can apply the brand manifesto framework to your kind of sphere of influence, if you will, to, you know, to your area. Um, so that being said, 
take this framework as you know possibly a, a new insight or maybe a way to kind of curate or or change sort of what you've what our audience has maybe already led to led themselves to believe um but my goal in all of this is to really help clarify what a brand manifesto is hmm. taking in all of the various and disparate kind of views and definitions of it the other thing that i'll say is that within the brand manifesto framework that we're going to dig into there are things called the mission statement and the vision statement and the values and those two even those components have been defined, articulated, crafted, and developed in numerous, hundreds, thousands of different ways. So even as we go into and explore this framework in a little bit more depth, how I'm articulating and defining, say, a mission statement or a vision statement might actually be much different. And I think the value that we're bringing here to the series is that this is a concise, comprehensive way that has, again, folded in all the disparate inputs and made it simple enough that you can repeat it hmm. at any level within your university. If your email templates or website are stuck in 2010, or your program brochures look like they could have been made in Microsoft Paint, it's time to give the sponsor of this week's episode a call. Meet Unincorporated. Unincorporated is a higher education agency committed to building awareness, growing enrollment, and launching programs for universities. If Nike and Apple decided to venture into the higher education branding space, their top competitor would be unincorporated. Meet the disruptors in the education design industry and subscribe to their newsletter to get a weekly download of the most important trends in higher ed at unincorporated.com forward slash nullify. Again, that's unincorporated.com forward slash nullify. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And I'm excited for this. And I do think, you know, my our, our goal for those tuning in is that whatever your context is, that this is at least a helpful start to an important conversation that you need to be having with your respective teams. So, um, yeah, kick us off, man. Like how, how, how should what is included in a brand manifesto? What are what are the kind of core components of it? And what are some great examples of, of brands that have nailed their respective brand manifestos? Right up front, a brand manifesto simply stated, it's the written document that publicly declares your views, motives, and intentions. So that could be a PDF, a nicely designed PDF that you know lives in, uh, in your SharePoint folder. That can be a dedicated portion of your website that is accessible both for your internal as well as your external audiences. But it's basically a written document a manifesto, right, is actually a, a public declaration of who you are and ultimately what you believe in and what you're trying to achieve long term. So another way of thinking about this is that this is the definition of who you are, like in the you know innermost core of your university or college or program and what your aspirations are to achieve. So who you are what you're trying to achieve and kind of that middle part is the how, how you will, you will actually achieve. Um, so this, this really becomes the guiding force. If you've already established a program or a school or college, then obviously this is a, a guiding document. Um, but if you haven't say spun up a new program, or if you're thinking about adding a new program to your curriculum, uh, this could be a way to provide a, a genesis or a seed to that program to help differentiate and again, specifically describe 
who you are, what you stand for, uh, what you're, you will do day to day. So that includes your faculty, your staff, your administration, and what the program or the college is trying to achieve or become long-term. So there's three components there. One is the vision statement. That's the aspirational, what we're trying to achieve long-term. The second is the mission statement. This describes the ideal habits or the processes, the daily activities that point us in the right direction to that summit. And lastly, and, and possibly most importantly, are your values. And mm. those are the guiding principles or the non-negotiables, which basically filter out and help make key decisions to stay on task with your mission statement and help ensure that you're that you will reach that vision. Yeah. Yeah. couple quick follow-up questions there. Um, so I'd imagine for most, well, I, mean, I shouldn't make this assumption, but uh, I'd say the majority of colleges and universities probably have something like a brand manifesto at the institutional level, right? Some sort of written down document declaration of who we are, why we matter and where we're trying to go. I, I feel sure. like where, where, this is less likely to to manifest itself is in the context of like a program or or even to your point sort of like a college or school within the larger institution in in your experience is it you know everyone needs a capital b brand manifesto for the institution are there mm -hmm. is it is it important and or crucial to have kind of lowercase b brand manifesto specifically for colleges and, and programs within them or i guess what is the line between developing something um, manifesto-esque that is that works at such a small kind of micro level while also working at a, at a larger macro level and in other words like what are like the tiered or like the like the levels should you have a manifesto for everything for every program for every major for example so within the word manifesto is the root manifest right it, it, it literally means to manifest right a public declaration of how you will manifest so if we're thinking about the program at you know a, a liberal arts college let's say within the music school then obviously that music school is going to want to manifest something that is distinctly different than say the philosophy department yeah. or the philosophy school so in that sense yeah it's absolutely crucial to have, I like this, brand manifesto, lowercase b, that does help articulate you know, how that music school is different than other music schools, what that music school is trying to achieve. And again, that might be quality of the student, that might be launching a handful of new programs in the next 10 years, and then what those guiding principles are. The guiding principles themselves are probably going to be the thing that's carried from the top level university institutional level down, yeah. right? Because those really are the guide rails, if you will, the non-negotiables, like I call them the governing laws. So those governing laws of what we believe in are probably going to trickle down to the college level. But in terms of the vision and the mission statement, those can certainly be unique and specific to the college and the program. And I would advocate that they are. Yeah. I would, I've also seen that, or that, that they should be developed. I've seen in most cases that schools are just adopting the institutional level brand manifesto. And that actually becomes a limiting factor because it's much harder to rally, say, 
you know, faculty cohort in a music program uh, around this very, you know, broad, comprehensive, yeah. far-reaching uh, manifesto that doesn't really apply to their day-to-day and maybe doesn't really apply to their domain and, and field of knowledge and expertise. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that there is, like, whose job is it, right? Because one, one of the things that I, I do feel like you hear at the program level or at the school level is, uh, you know, pe- people that complain about institutional branding and its limiting factors or people that complain about whoever is sort of the chief brand officer, right, at the institution mm-hmm. is that kind of holds the keys to the brand that, you know, uh, is nitpicky and doesn't like when they see a color or, or a statement or something that looks like it, it you know, steers away from kind of the, the essence of the brand, the, the essence of the institutional brand. I guess whose job is it to help make lowercase b brand manifestos accessible and 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 inspire that to, to happen at the school and or and or program level like would you say like it's leadership's responsibility to really make sure and empower these individual teams to think about hey here are the the, the governing rules but there's a lot of wiggle room within this um here are some ideas for how you might take this and you know not be disingenuous towards it but also here's a lot of room for you to kind of develop your own creative expression so I think we all know it, it's no secret that the university architecture in terms of staff and the the various departments, various services that a university provides, they're siloed. So you have these siloed teams working in remote or on-campus offices, and there's rarely ever any like you know, as, as much as we want multidisciplinary or interdisciplinary collaboration among departments and among teams on the university, at the university, it's still very siloed. Yeah. So I think you have to up-level that to, say, the dean, whose responsibility it is to help deploy and communicate the brand manifesto for that school. So I think if we're talking about the school or at the college level, I would say that's either the dean or the vice provost. Now, if we get down to the division level and maybe there's a specific program or collection of programs, let's take uh, graduate programs at a school of business, for example. Yeah. And the dean is too busy or they have their sites maybe on a a handful of other initiatives like raising money or getting a, a naming grant in place then these smaller teams can certainly the division leaders. So that might be, you know, the, um, I don't know, the, the faculty advisor or, you know, whoever the senior administration is at the, the division or the program level, it's up to them to really articulate what the programs believe in, yeah. what they're trying to achieve. And ultimately what are some of the things that they will value as they move forward towards those goals? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that that's super, super crucial, um, especially yeah, given the, the hierarchical nature of of higher ed. And I think like there are really good examples, I think, of leaders that are doing this. Like I think of Jenny Petty, who's at University of Montana. I think about um, uh, Jamie Hunt, who's at University of Miami in Ohio. They're doing a really good job, I think, at, at empowering their individual colleges and, and units to, again, mm-hmm. like say, hey, here's here's where you got to stay within this particular lane. But look at like here are examples and ideas right of all the kind of creative room that you do have to explore and and be true to kind of what makes your program or or your college unique so i think that there are examples of this but yeah it's it's hard um people people are busy and you know it's and i think the 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 worst thing that can happen is 
no one moves the ball forward. No one takes the time to think about sort of the little the little B uh, brand manifesto because they just assume that it's going to get get you know get shot down or that it's too much work and, and and therefore it's not worth it. So let's just slap something institutional in the context of like our email conflows or on our you know on our program brochures just because it's like the safest option. Um, and, and sometimes yeah. safety kills creativity. So I, yeah. I, I do think that there's a, a charge to, you know, the leaders listening in here to make sure that their teams feel empowered. Yeah. And I think that oftentimes when people think about the brand of the university or the brand of the school or the brand of their unit, they're thinking about the outward expression mm. of the brand. So things like visual identity standards, ensuring the proper colors on a website. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's about the personality and how that shows up in your writing and your PR and what sites, you know, you're, you're running your advertising on. It's always that kind of outward expression of the brand that most people kind of cling on to or, or seem to be most interested in. And what happens is that they neglect kind of that inner process yeah. where you have to define first who you are before you can actually really go to work and, and execute all of those expressions in a, you know, in an efficient way. So I think that just simply having an awareness or an understanding that there's something beneath the surface of your brand expression that lives at the core, which is this brand manifesto, that that in itself can be really helpful because you can take that message into your teams and say, hey, look, we have our identity standards, but what we're really lacking here is the type of the, the value that we're putting, say, on the type of student that we want. Yeah. Or maybe we're missing the, the value of the staff members or the faculty members that we're trying to bring in. I think what we're missing here is a is a mission statement for the year ahead hmm. that is specific to our unit. So, you know, one, one example, I had this great brand meeting uh, recently and we were trying to do some, some brands branding work that included the manifesto component. And they flat out told me, we are not a brand. <laughs> I thought, okay. This is going to be a really hard sell. If you're coming to the table thinking you're not a brand, but we were able to work through it. And I think ultimately what people don't recognize is that in order to achieve goals, you have to first articulate and understand who you are on the inside. And, mm. and that is that work on self that I think a lot of people miss, especially when they don't even think that they're, you know, that they're a brand uh, to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. So there are some challenges there for sure. Yeah. I'd, I'd love some, of your favorite, you know, brand manifestos that exist just uh, even outside of higher ed. Like when you think about organizations that have really done the work to solidify something that is, uh, you know, example worthy, what are, what are some organizations that come to mind? Yeah, well, there's one example I want to share. And then, you know, maybe we could list a, a handful of other links because I, I don't want to get too much into the case studies here. Yeah. But I think Google, when you look at their vision statement, so again, we're defining vision statement as that aspirational goal, the ideal state of being that you're trying to achieve, the summit of the mountain. And Google says, you know, our, our vision is to organize all the world's information and make it accessible to all. 
So I could probably say that and you immediately think Google. And the fact that maybe 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, if I were to say, oh, we're going to organize all the world's information and make it accessible to everyone, you'd probably look at me like I was crazy. <laughs> so this is a great example of a vision statement for a couple of reasons. One, it is super aspirational. And secondly, it's it's great because it does have like an actionable, like tangible result yeah. that they're trying to achieve. So I, I really love Google, whether or not, you know, politically speaking, you're pro or anti Google at this point, we'll leave that to the side. But I think their vision statement is a great example. And quite frankly, it's supposed to be so aspirational that it takes years, decades, centuries, generations to achieve. Yeah. And the fact that Google has grown and actually achieved that vision statement means they need to now re up on another vision. <laughs> but when you but when you reach your vision statement, you become what I call a firebrand, and that's when you know, you know, tr truly know at the core that you've kind of accelerated or surpassed what many brands want to do, but very very few actually achieve. No, that's a great example. Uh, and, and you said a firebrand. Why, why do you refer to these brands as firebrands? Just because they're like lit, like hot, or, or why fire? Yeah, they're just absolutely all consuming. They're, they're yeah, I think hot, you know, and lit. Those are those are good ways of, of thinking about that. It, it um, It's easy for a brand to be just fine, hmm. right? So I have this, uh, this other presentation that I do, it's called unf your brand. And basically there's three types of brands. There are those brands that are totally effed. <laughs> there are those brands like most of us that are just fine, right? Things yeah. are fine. Yeah. How's the marketing? Fine. How's our value statement? Fine. What are we trying to achieve? It's fine. And then there are those brands that have, raised it up a level and those brands are straight fire. So when I talk about unfing your brand, what I'm asking people and encouraging people to do is try to unfine your brand because you're probably not totally effed. You're probably just in that comfortable state and doing some brand manifesto work and getting your team unified around vision, mission, and values. That is a way to obviously, um, kind of accelerate the growth and move beyond the status quo, move yeah. beyond just being fine. Yeah, yeah. Do you have examples of fire brands in higher ed? I have yet to find one. Okay. Obviously, yeah, yeah. yeah, obviously that's that's not a a great answer. I think at different department levels, I could think of a of a, a few. I'm yeah. not going to mention them by name, put yeah. them on the spot. But Again, I think that's because of some of the organizational, um, the, the way that universities are structured, it's very difficult to get everyone behind a centralized brand manifesto, uh, which is you know why university initiatives are so important or they kind of um, step in in lieu of branding work. You'll have yeah. a, a new president coming in and saying, okay, these this is our strategic plan for the next five, 10 years. And it outlines some of the goals. Yeah. So I think those are particularly effective, but they don't necessarily help as explicitly as um, uh, 
brand manifesto can in terms of like, who do we hire? What kind of faculty are we going after? Yeah. You know, how much um, research are we going to do at the institutional level? They're typically larger goals that have to be broken down versus very, you know, specific actionable steps at either the college or the program level. Yeah. 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 No, I I feel like, you know, one that might come to mind or one that did pop into my mind. um, And I think this is highly controversial, but like, like when I think about like (laughs) ASU um, and just Mm -hmm. the, the work that the the relevancy that they have, that they have created, especially just, I feel like over the last 15 to 20 years in particular, and, and just the innovation that has been poured in and, you know, obviously sort of like the dollars that have been poured in, but like, I think that they they come to mind is like they're 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 obviously not like a you know a, an Ivy, um, but but doing some incredible work, um, and I feel like their brand has just been like incredible, like expanded tremendously. Maybe even just over the past five years, like the number of people I've got younger siblings too, I guess, and so like the the number of younger people that I hear talking about ASU, um, compared to even just when I was when I was looking for schools is is shocking to me. Um, but anyways, I, I don't have any sort of inside Intel on and, and how things actually work yeah. over there, but, and, and as you're, as you're describing that, the university brand that comes to mind for me is Northeastern. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just for, for a number of reasons, but you know, two, two that I'll share, it's easy for a university to say, Hey, we value innovation, but I see very few universities you know, investing in say the areas of accelerator programs or entrepreneurial programs or bringing in uh, a lot of like professional support or consultants to help build out and and articulate programs around this value of innovation. But Northeastern has done a great job of that and they're accelerating. Look at their growth and look at the um, kind of the conversion metrics that, uh, that they're putting up. They're, they're also, I think, really embodying in terms of a brand manifesto, speaking again about the values, they're embodying this idea of relationships and having a one-to-one connection with their prospective students. So the fact that they talk and coach every single student that applies to the university, I mean, that's the massive undertaking, but they're putting their money where their mouth is, so to speak. And really owning up and embodying that value. So I, I think there are certainly cases of this. And, you know, I, I just love the fact that it's the brand manifesto to articulate it is one thing, but then you also have to execute and apply it. And their, uh, their university in particular, I think, is one that's doing both. Yeah, yeah. Do you have, maybe it's not, a again, a, a firebrand, but do you have an example or two of, of a university uh, or an institution's brand manifesto that you think uh, is is you know example worthy uh, or or not so much. Well, there's one from the University of Minnesota, and they have their PDF online. Uh, there's also Colorado Mesa that we found in, in some of our research. We, we haven't worked with either of them, uh, but you could you could look at their examples online. They, Colorado Mesa, for example, they specifically called their document a brand manifesto. Mm. So I think in terms of like, oh, this checks the box, like the fact (laughs) that they're thinking of it as a proclamation of what they're trying to manifest. To me, that's right on the, you know, right on the mark. And I think where they come up short, though, is some of the language in there speaks to platitudes. 
instead of being like very specific and kind of object oriented around, you know, how they're missing kind of the how we will achieve. And, and the mission statement is, is really trying to get at the how we will achieve the vision. Uh, but I really like Colorado Mesa's uh, framework and the way that they've made it accessible and, and how it's organized. So maybe we could drop that link in at a later yeah. time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that'll be in the show notes for, for everyone tuning in here. Um, that's great. So in, in terms of a kind of framework, we, we've you've talked a little bit about sort of how depending on kind of what seat you have at the at the table, there's still a lot of practical things that you can garner and, and think through um, with respect to developing a brand manifesto that makes sense in your context. Do you have a, a kind of like a crawl, walk, run framework or first, second, third kind of steps that you'd recommend folks walk through as they as they discern the creation of of their own brand manifest regardless again of like what what level we're talking about here yeah so we have a a great resource i'll just do the plug now if you don't mind it's at unincorporated.com slash brand manifesto you can also go if it's easier to remember brand manifesto.us and we have videos (laughs) blog articles, as well as a workbook with key activities that can guide the process. So someone can go to that landing page, download the workbook, and literally take that into any group, you know, in, independent of what level you're trying to create change and, and start to articulate your brand manifesto. So I would start there, but just as a, as a simple, practical kind of one-off thing that I can offer the listeners right now, Yeah, there's a, a great sentence it's like have you ever done a, a mad lib oh yes of course love those yeah you fill in fill in the blank so there's a there's a great sentence that anyone can again think about the university level all the way down maybe to the individual researcher or faculty member who wants to set a goal for themselves who wants to s- specify a mission so here's your mission statement framework if you will we will accomplish X by Y, it's the other variable, because of Z. Hmm. And what that captures in very simple language is the goal you're trying to achieve and make sure that it's adding value, you know, that it's authentic and direct, simple enough to understand. So it's going to specify exactly what you're trying to achieve. Maybe that's we will accomplish uh, publishing three papers by 2023 because we value the pursuit of education and how important it is to have our faculty members publishing on a regular basis yeah so any dean can now take this simple mission statement that we just crafted into their meeting and say look this is one of our key mission statements for the year ahead. We will accomplish X by Y because of Z. And that last piece, the reason why, the rationale why, we sometimes refer to this as like the higher purpose or, you know, the, the yeah, just kind of the, the, the higher objective, yeah. if you will, the, re, the rationale and the reason why. That's the, that's the piece that's going to motivate people and move people maybe away from this idea of, oh, it's top down, it's just task oriented, it yeah. feels like busy work. So it really helps contextualize the mission statement in terms of its purpose. Yeah, yeah. What I would just add to that too, that was so well said, 
is it also just helps from a prioritization standpoint ensure alignment like i i, I was in the uh, this must have been like a year and a half ago actually maybe longer it was before COVID. so yeah like three years ago i was in a group of it was at a conference actually and the speaker was actually somebody who was a cmo or chief brand officer at at some organization and they asked everyone and you were sitting with like your your team like your your school like your group right and they asked mm-hmm. everyone to like write down their mission statement uh as they saw it right and every single person around the table like had a different like understanding of like why they exist right like why they're doing the work that that they're doing even if you are not in a position where you're responsible for developing a brand manifesto for your school your program etc working through this exercise with your team will just unveil very transparently and honestly like what do people think that we're doing here (laughs) and why do people think that we're doing it and if it yeah. is if it is so widely uh, variable in 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 terms of response, the leader of that team and that that organization needs to do the work of figuring out. Okay, this is what people think that we're doing. This is why people think that we're here. We're actually doing this because of this, right? And yeah. we we got to get we got to get folks aligned. So even if it's just about helping your team figure out priority and like where their time and energy should go, it seems like an exercise like this would be wonderfully helpful. Yeah. And going back to that little anecdote that I shared, this institution that said, we are not a brand. (laughs) We entertain this idea of, okay, well, what's the, what's the mission statement, (laughs) you know, for the year ahead. And there was so much resistance to the resistance to that question that they couldn't even put down on paper what it was that Mm. they were trying to achieve in the next year. Mm. And so I, I think that you're right. A, it has to be kind of cast and articulated from leadership. You need buy-in, of course, and the rationale or the reason why is super important there. But you can't not do this work if you're looking to say, our vision is to become the one of the world's most elite research institutes in the, on the planet, yeah, right? Yeah. In this era, yeah. You can't state a vision statement like that and then fail <laughs> to articulate the how. And the mission yeah. statement is really trying to say, okay, how are we going to roll up to this, you know, bit bigger vision, this aspirational goal? We need these these micro missions. So I don't know. I just find a lot of times there's a disconnect between what institutions are aiming at what they're trying to achieve in terms of who they want to become, their ideal state, what the, the summit of the mountain looks like for them, and actually practically putting some of these parameters or this mission statement to work uh, to that end. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, most higher education institutions are entering in a mo- into a moment and are already in a moment where it's becoming very, very important to understand where impact is being had, where they're growing, where they're not growing. Uh, measurement has never been more important, especially as it, as it pertains to branding and marketing, right? And so mm-hmm. if for no other reason, helping understand selfishly as, as a team, what are the things at the end of the day that we're actually gonna be held accountable to? How the heck are we going to know whether or not the hundreds of thousands of dollars, the millions of dollars that we've spent over the course of a, a of an academic year trying to get a class in, how are we going to know whether or not we did it? And it can't just be, you know, an, an insane 20% increase in enrollment, or it can't just be an insane, you know, 50% increase in average gift from alumni, right? Or whatever it might be. A lot of the times those are reach goals. It's, it's got to be a lot more specific than that. And I think doing doing this work 
exploring this exercise with probably a number of different stakeholders at your institution is a super, super helpful way to understand what the priorities are and then also the points of measurement. So how are we going to measure success and know whether or not we were able to accomplish you know, what we did, obviously, over, when, when, with respect to vision statements, that's going to take years, maybe a couple decades, uh-huh. right, to get to. And that's okay. But like, how are we measuring progress along the way? Exactly. And mission statements are great ways to measure that progress. Uh, if So I, I provided a, a sentence that you could fill out, you know, and you have a, several of these, say, for the year ahead or for the next five years, you have those uh, those mission statements drafted. But there are other, a few other key questions, just if you want to approach this exercise in a little bit more lightweight way, uh, you may have a staff meeting or maybe there's a senior leadership retreat coming up and just pull out the whiteboard and have people brainstorm around. First question, what do we intend to do day to day? Like, and maybe that's in the classroom setting, Maybe that's uh, within the labs. Maybe that's from a research and publishing standpoint. But what what do we intend everyone here to do day to day? Brainstorm around that. Second thing, what are the kind of ideal habits that we need to have within our department or within our leadership in order to accomplish our goals long-term or our vision statement? So what are those habits? What are those processes? They might be Oh, we need to set up a CRM. We need to make sure we're having weekly check-ins. We need to make sure we're uh, reporting out articles, you know, as, as kind of micro samples. But what are those ideal habits? And they could be very, very tactical and specific. Brainstorm around that question. And then ultimately, you know, if anything's kind of left in the periphery, what are activities maybe beyond the that you know that that sort of central uh, brain trust that would point us toward the vision those three questions i'll just repeat them again but what do we intend to do every day what are our ideal habits or key processes that we need to implement or stay true to and what activities will help us direct us toward that vision and those three questions i mean that could be a 2 3 hour session with your leadership team to really see what trends and what things kind of percolate to the top. You get consensus and then you fold that ultimately into a mission statement that adds value. That's one that's authentic, one that's direct, one that's determined and simple enough, specific enough to understand when you roll that out to everyone else. Thank you, sir. That was wonderful. Well, Every link that you mentioned will be in the show notes below. So if you want to learn more about what Ian and his team are up to and or just uh, understand a little bit, see some good examples of brand manifestos, both inside and outside of, of higher ed, just scroll on down to those show notes and click through um, as you as you desire. If you, again, if you want to learn more about the work that Ian and his team are doing, too, we'll also have a link to their website, unincorporated.com, uh, in, the, in the show notes as well. Um, but thank you, sir. This has been a joy as always. And if you're just joining us, uh, for the first time here, I actually, this is actually episode one, so you haven't missed anything. Um, and if you're later in joining, you'll see episodes two, three, and four also linked in the show notes. So this is again, a four part series that we're collaborating on with our friends over at unincorporated, but thank every, thanks everyone for tuning in. Ian, thank you so much for your time, uh, as always, and for sharing some of your words of wisdom with us. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. 
Hey, y'all, Zach here from Enrollify. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. Our shows feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Mickey Baines, Jeremy Tears, Jamie Hunt, Corinne Myers, Jamie Gleason, and many, many more. You can learn more about the Enrollify Podcast Network at podcast.enrollify.org. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea. Find yours at podcast.enrollify.org.